Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's going on, everybody? Top Rope Nation is on the air. We're here. It's seasonal. Kyle's got the big winter jacket on. Just home from our day jobs to talk a little professional wrestling. Now, I work outside of the home, so I was venturing out into the negative 20-degree wind chill today. Kyle, I needed a jacket like that, man. It is crazy cold here. How's it out in Ohio? Well, according to everybody on Twitter, it's so cold here in Cleveland that I need to keep this coat on 24-7. We're not worthy of AEW beach break, if you (laughs) read all the comments online. So after spending a day on Twitter, I just decided to keep this coat on permanently. You got to wear that Speedo to the show, man. That's what I'm expecting in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Might find my way out of that band list with the Hogans if I do that. (laughs) Yes. Ain't nobody want to see that, baby. Oh, man. Well, we're here. We're going to talk about a lot today, guys. It is a Thursday afternoon. My name's Ryan Drosty, by the way, joined by Kyle Ross, as you see and right I have, here. And I have a big coat, which I'm not going to take <laughs> off this whole show. Is that a Randy Savage shirt you have on underneath? It is. Very nice. I saw the, the hat. It looked like it. Cool. Um, we're talking mostly current events today. We haven't done an afternoon show for our flagship podcast in a while, so we thought we'd do it this week to get more, hopefully more live viewers on uh, to join us. So if you are here live, let us know in the chat your thoughts on all the topics that we roll through. And then, of course, this will be going out to the regular podcast feed within a couple of hours after we after we finish the show. So a lot of things hitting the wrestling news right now. Uh, number one, within about an hour ago, we got the AEW Dynamite rating for last night. Of course, Dynamite was live on TBS for the very first time. They've now switched networks. Also aired on Delay on the West Coast. So now they're back airing at a more reasonable time to watch AEW on that side of the country versus airing during dinner time. And we saw AEW do a pretty good rating. Now they did promote a... You know, a pretty top-heavy show. They had a world title match. They had a tag team title match. They crowned their first TBS champion as well. Uh, but that was reflected in the ratings. So Dynamite did 1.010 million viewers overall. They haven't been over a million viewers in, in several weeks. Uh, and their their demo ratings were really good. So they scored a point. Uh, 0.0. Five five among males 18 to 49, which actually defeated Monday Night Raw this week. And by the way, Raw did a very good rating too. Uh, one of their better ratings in a while. Raw did a 0.53 in that demo. So they defeated Raw in males 18 to 49. They also defeated Raw in the 18 to 34 demographic. Um, the overall 18 to 49 number was very close. AEW did 0.43. Raw did a 0.4. Five. Raw wins the 18 to 49 demo overall because more women watch Raw. Uh, Raw's overall viewership was just over 1.7 million. So overall, more viewers on Raw. 
largely because more women and a lot more people over the age of 50 watch WWE as compared to AEW. So Kyle, when you when you heard these ratings, you think AEW should be celebrating? Is this about in line with what you thought they would do? Yeah, I think it's a good number. I There's no reason to any cartwheels. It needed to do a good number, given what they had promoted. Uh, it should be noted that Hangman Danielson 2 did better than Hangman Danielson 1, right? Because I that rating came in pretty disappointing, right? Like Meltzer, I remember him talking about, like, he, he said that it almost seemed that not a lot of people wanted to see the match is how he made it a few weeks back. But this, it was clearly higher. Uh, you know, a new network, sometimes, I think in this day and age, there's less confusion. But, you know, there always used to be, that, remember when Raw moved from USA to Spike? And then back, mm-hmm. there was this fear, oh my God, people are going to put the station on, not see it, and just be confused where it is. I don't think yeah. there was a ton of confusion with the AEW fan base for this move to TBS. Should be noted, and I saw multiple smart people talking about this on Twitter. Brandon Thurston was certainly one of them. They've got this lead-in with the Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, if you've listened to Top Rope Nation for any length of time, <laughs> and you know me, you, know probably, you probably know whether or not I watch The Big Bang Theory. Nevertheless, a lot of people apparently still watch this program in reruns. Yes. And it's a much stronger lead-in, people are saying, than The Accountant or... <laughs> Fast and the Furious 82 or whatever the heck they had going on in TNT. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, you talked about not being w- the deal with the West Coast. You know how it is, you know, now people in the West Coast don't have to watch it really early. So, uh, yeah, I, I think overall being over a million total. I know the demo is the big thing. But when you're over a million viewers, just sounds nice, right? Yeah. Like, whenever they're over a million, it seems like a big victory as opposed to 900-something thousand. I don't think they're going to get to that, like, 1.2 area that they were at for a little while. Uh, 1.1, maybe. maybe They might hit 1.1, but they're not going to get a whole lot higher, I think, because NBA is doing much better ratings than they've done in the past couple of years this year, and that's that's big competition for them. I think AEW's sweet spot for when they're going to pop the big ratings and we actually saw this happen this year was post nba season so in most years that's going to be you know june through october that's probably i think when they're going to do their best overall viewership i think that they can consistently do a little bit over a million but until they improve the the women numbers in particular and then obviously like i said the the older group the 50 plus um they're i think that one point that one to 1.2 is kind of their their top out point right now i did look up winners cummings ratings uh when they had hangman and danielson won nine hundred and forty eight thousand viewers for that one so slightly lower there but the demo was a lot lower um that show did a 0.31 in 18 to 49 versus last night's doing the 0.4 i say 0.43 so yeah pretty sizable bump in 18 to 49 last night and i i do think that there has been a I think the West Coast thing is definitely impacting them. I know there's been a lot of dialogue on Twitter about that because, well, their numbers fell off on the East Coast too. Um, But, you know, I think some of that's basketball. I think that's reflected in those numbers. And so now just being on later, 
on the you know the half of the country where it's like a quarter of the population or whatever it's definitely going to help them to be on at a more reasonable time to watch it live there and um and then we'll see post basketball if they can increase the numbers a little bit more yeah well I, yeah. I was i was gonna go into what did you think about the show now because that's I thought, what i think the people yeah. want to hear yeah, I thought it was an excellent show. Um, I actually liked last night's match, I think, better than the 60-minute draw. Uh, when you look at the two matches, I preferred this one. I tend to like the uh, you know, the faster-paced matches. People that listen to our podcast know that. Uh, you know, less rest holds. The blood added something to it, too, with both guys. But, yeah, I liked it. I was disappointed in the judges, as I said in our Facebook group, but they ended up not needing them anyways. I was just kind of hoping they'd have some surprises for us, some big names, maybe some legends coming out. Um, you know, Big Show, Mark Henry. Like, they're not... <laughs> it's not and, doing and, a lot for and, me, but... And Jerry Lynn looking like the poor guy who drew the yeah. middle seat on the airplane between those two, right? Yeah. They got him, I mean, they got, no offense... They got Thank God he was judging a 30-minute match and not on a cross-country <laughs> flight. I mean, no offense, but Big Show and Mark Henry. Now, maybe Jerry Lynn, yes, but Big Show and Mark Henry, not exactly the guys I would go to to grade a technical wrestling match if they're if they're grading it on points. So, also, But they didn't need them, so, yeah. Also, I noticed Jerry Lynn was, like, writing paragraphs on his sheet. Somebody got a <laughs> shot of it. Like, don't you, aren't you just doing the 10-point must system? And I was a little disappointed that they... Uh, weren't calling they weren't grading it on like 15 minute periods remember they did that for flair and steamboat jim ross yeah. was like luthez gave it to steamboat because of the near fall <laughs> they were like <laughs> I, it that was never adequately explained if they were just like adding up every 15 minute in that match but didn't matter then uh for flair steamboat and yeah didn't matter last night i think the judges it was a nice touch to tease the possibility of going 60 minutes but we all knew they weren't going to do it again. Yeah. There's so, too many matches on this card, too. That yes, that like was a big me. tell. And, and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get into that momentarily. I'm not sure if I liked it better than the 60-minute match. Normally, I am would echo what you said in terms of you like tighter matches and whatnot. I, I'm, but the first one was the rare 60-minute match that never dragged. Now, I've also yeah. seen it twice, and I have not seen last night twice. I'll have to go back and watch again. Um, I thought it actually got out to a kind of a slow start last night, but my God, they, there was a moment and I don't know what that moment was. Again, I'd have to go back and rewatch it where they just kicked it in high gear. It was very dramatic with both guys bleeding and a tip of the cap to Brian Danielson. He put hangman page over huge, you know, one buckshot Larry. This was not yeah. a match where both guys hit each finisher three times. Uh, I thought it was really cool how Danielson had established so many finishers over his short period of time in AEW, the couple months yeah. he's been there. And he was going to all of them, and Hangman you know, kept finding a way out, but he hit his big finish, and it was over. So I think my biggest complaint to the match is you have Hangman Page hand Brian Danielson a loss, and then you just went away from it, and it wasn't really talked about the rest of the show. Yeah, I saw people talking about that factor, too. I, I did like, to your point about the one buckshot lariat, they called that out on commentary, too. It only took one. That was nice that they emphasized that point. You know, it only took one of them to win over such a big star like Brian Danielson. Um, if you look at Danielson's top matches in AEW so far, you know, it's going to be these two and the Kenny match. 
I think, honestly, Danielson Omega is still my favorite of Brian's matches mm. in AEW so far. Yeah, it's it's really, really close. I was talking with uh, Tim Jensen, listener of the pod, about this today. I I think I slightly prefer that one. Not that these were not awesome four-plus star matches, because they were, but I still think that that was Brian's best match in AEW so far. On initial my hot view- take. Okay, on initial viewing, I gave last night four and a half, and I said I complete, I reserve the right to change this <laughs> when I watch <laughs> it again. And, but I gave the first match four and three quarter. I gave the Omega match four and three quarters as well. Yeah, I see Frank talking about the crowd he energy. Was there. That was yeah. such a big deal for Brian and Omega. Um, you know, crowd heat always matters, but it's not the end-all be-all. We had a discussion about that, I believe, a few years ago on this pod, Ryan. And... Uh, yeah. So, yeah, all of them are great, and it was a great job of putting over Hangman. I just wish that they would have done more to make it feel like the big deal it was. You know, I think we talked about this after the first match. Okay, it was a 60-minute draw, and they were just, and then, again, they just went to other stuff. I'd like to hear, you know, at least hear from the winner. Yeah, that's the big thing. That's the big thing. breathe. Yes. I think next week... They need to put together like a drum. WWE is great at this. They need to put together like a dramatic video package with the highlights of the match, the finish, and then cut to comments from the guys. You know, they need to do something like that to emphasize. I'm, I'm fairly certain they will, but that will drive home the point better than they did on the live broadcast. I think. Yeah, and we talked about the judge judges kind of being a non-factor after all this. You kind of figured they would be when they didn't hype it ahead of time. They didn't. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even bother. It was just like. Okay, here are your three judges. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> but, like, I, I almost think going in this match didn't have the hype that I thought it would. Now, they wanted to keep them safe and not get COVID, so they kept them off TV. But it, both shows did get a video package, but I saw somebody make the point, and I don't disagree with it. I actually liked the idea. Why not have the other people in the promotion commenting on the match? When you yeah. have that, it makes the match seem like a bigger deal. Like, oh, hey, I'm... The, these other wrestlers, they're paying attention to this match because it's so big. They're not just in their own little world. It's just little touches like that that, you know, make your important stuff even more important. Right. And and you looked at the rest of the show. I was actually not as high on the show as some people were after the second hour. I, think I did not think stuff- it was like the greatest dynamite of all time. I saw people saying that on Twitter. I, I did not agree with that. Yeah. But I think there's certainly some stuff in that back half of the show that could have... Uh, had time sliced mm-hmm. and you know because of that you could have done more with this like i said i would have really loved when they co- we're gonna hear from the winner when we come back and Paige just talks about what a tough win it was you didn't even have to hear from danielson he could have been selling the loss right yeah. yep. still hurt from the buckshot lariat that's cool but you know that was my main you know uh, my only critique i should say that let this breathe and be the big deal it should be mm-hmm and now Agreed. where do we go from here with both guys? I think that's the big question. Yeah, because I think I predicted right after full gear, uh, MJF and Hangman for Revolution. So, you know, we'll see what happens eventually when Punk and MJF wrestle. We've got mm-hmm. Punk announced for a match with Wardlow. Uh, ne- is that next week or Rampage? Yes. Next week. Okay. Yeah, next week on Dynamite. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, they got to move into a different direction now. You yeah. mentioned uh, keeping them separated because of COVID. Thoughts to Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler, who both came down with COVID this week. Nick Jackson had a 
really tough time with COVID. He got in the fall of 2020, so like pre-vaccines, he was out of it for weeks and weeks and weeks, wrote about it at the time on his Instagram page. So it should be easier on Matt. We don't know for certain, but uh, never good when you hear about one of these guys coming down with COVID-19. So it might be a little while before you see him on TV. We'll see. No, and then Danielson obviously needs a new direction. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, they clearly, the way that ended, there's made you think they're not going to do a rematch. But who knows with this uh, promotion. But uh, the Punk MJF segment was great to follow that up. Yes. So, you know, I think through the first 40 minutes, I'm like, okay, this is, like, this is a start. And then Jericho comes out, say what you will about Jericho. He always gets a big reaction with that song. Right. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. he, I was like, so you had a great world title, a match of the year candidate, Punk and MJF doing their mic. Love Punk's comments on WrestleMania. If you don't like it, get over yourself. Okay. Absolutely love the comments. And then Jericho comes. I'm like, whoa, they're bringing out the heavy hitters one by one here uh, yeah. for this telecast. Now, Jericho's promo, I thought, went a little sideways. I joked in our Facebook group that. When he gets a lot of time to do these promos, I'm getting a lot of 1997 Roddy Piper vibes on Nitro, <laughs> which is not really a compliment. Remember, like, Piper, he would always make Monica Lewinsky jokes yeah. when they were no longer good. Yeah. I remember he made a not joke once, and, like, poor J.J. Dillon, like, had to sell it because it was very not funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it dragged a little bit. Uh, Jericho, of course, was getting a lot of headlines because of his hairdo. Um. Yeah, that <laughs> definitely wasn't his natural color. Uh, I like 2.0 a lot. Uh, Terrence and Philip reference that I could have done without that was a little dated, but you know, yeah. from Jericho. But the second half of the show with the, I thought the women's title match did not need to go that long for what they were doing. Uh, and we should talk about because <laughs> you know I went back and forth over the last several months on who was going to win this between the two of them. Uh, it was pretty clear when she came out, Jade was going to win. But I think she could have won even quicker. That was my issue with it. The match was pretty sloppy. I'm glad yeah. Jade won. I was I was consistent in predicting mm-hmm. Jade would win it. But, I mean, it could have gone either way, honestly, in the buildup. It was it was hard to say. Uh, but, yeah, the match, a little, a little sloppy at times. Right before they went into that finish, you could clearly see them talking to each other on the corner. Like, I'm ready for it. Here we go. <laughs> but uh, I don't know whose idea that was. It's one of those things, though, when you're not working a house show loop and you can't try these spots off TV. You got to be less ambitious sometimes. Like, I saw them doing that. I'm like, oh, dear God, this looks like somebody's going to get hurt real bad. Like, it it just wasn't a good, like, I I get it. You wanted to do a big move. So, you know, it'd be kind of a spectacular finish and you, you get a pop from the crowd and Ruby goes down fighting, but yeah, it was it was too ambitious to try jaded. I mean, it looked like they were going to go off the top rope. Yeah, and I was like, "Good God Almighty, don't do that!" I mean, it just it seemed like bad idea all around. And I get you didn't want to just completely smash Ruby Soho, right? She's still relatively new in the promotion, but you know that was one of the reasons I I pivoted to Ruby in the midst of this tournament is because Jade doesn't do a lot of TV matches, live TV matches. Well, her matches are typically confined to Rampage, and they're shorter. And that's yeah. fine for the record. She has, you know, when she came out, I, I talked, you know, initially I picked Jade, 
Middle of the tournament, I was like, eh, I think they're going with Ruby. And then last night, people could check our Facebook group before the result. I said, no, Jade's winning this. I changed back to her. She has more upside than Ruby Soho, for sure. Yeah. So I do think but, they need to get rid of Smart Mark, though. That's run its course. I don't know what she possibly benefits from him. Yeah. This time, one of these weeks, she's got to just beat the shit out of him, don't you yeah. think? My, my head is sweating. I had to take that down. But <laughs> yeah, and, and that, yeah, that was another thing, too. AEW sometimes does these things in the match that are just needless when they ejected him. Like, I thought that was going to be an excuse for her to lose when they did. he got ejected from ringside. I did, too. And it, it, yeah. it just meant nothing. The, that, that's a weird spot to do when the heel goes over clean. No less. So, um, yeah, all in all, I think they chose the right person. Jade has just simply more upside than Ruby. I mean, if you're going to establish a title, you want to put it on a big-time personality. I would advise them moving forward, just because Jade's champion and people expect a certain style of match when it's a championship match, you don't have to do that. I think Jade's matches should be tighter. She should be dominant. And it'll mean more than when she's not dominant. Now, you know, the question is she's got to get reps somehow and, and you know, work those longer style matches. Thunder Rosa was fine. Yeah. The match yeah. with Thunder Rosa was a lot better than last night. So oh, yeah. maybe it was just her and Ruby not meshing well or what. But um, right person won, but the match was too long and it was, it was sloppy. Yeah. Uh, nice moment, though, you know, to see Jade's uh, daughter ringside. Mm-hmm. That was that was cool. You like to see stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, agreed. It should have been a little bit tighter of a match. I thought... Yeah, they same, with Mal, yeah, same with yeah. Same with Mel Black Junior, and Mal Junior. Black. Same yeah. thing. Not the greatest match. They had and, Julia Hart come out with the eye patch. Yeah, her, um, her tribute to Jean Pierre Lafitte, I guess. <laughs> but I, <laughs> top I just, rope nation veteran Jean Pierre yeah, Lafitte. Uh, again, I, I talked about that. I did a solo show, and I talked about how I think that feud wasn't doing anyone any favors. No one bought Pillman as having a shot there. It just makes your baby faces look dumb for trying and he looked bad in both a literal and kayfabe sets you know in the kayfabe he he loses clean as a sheet and in literal it's not like he went down swinging where the fans were left with people like oh this pillman jr he'll get him next time i mean who would watch that match and say pillman would win a rematch i mean you'd have to be a real ass to think that yeah Yeah. so and i don't know if it really helped black Mm mm-hmm so it, it was just a pro, and people want to get behind Pillman and the Blondes, but when you do yeah. that, they're not going to want to. So yeah, it was just Ill, just an ill-conceived program. I, Pillman's had two chances to work with top guys, and has not really elevated himself at all. This Mm-mm. is the MJF feud. Yeah, with the main event with the tag team title match, couple of things. So I was trying to avoid spoilers, um, but I am. So I'm writing now also for SEScoops.com and. Our, my format like, sheet, Tony. And I got an alert through our Slack that uh, Phoenix had the broken arm. Or, uh, we found out it's not broken, but it looked like it was broken last night. So then I saw that before I saw the match. So then watching that main event, which was a which was a fun, good match too, it was hard to watch without thinking about that. So I was like, er, I was watching for it to happen, like the whole match, you know what I mean? Like everything, I was just looking really closely. So that kind of took away from the match for me. Um, going in, I did think that Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus would win the titles just because it has felt kind of like Lucha Bros, like they kind of peaked already and nothing's really happened much with them as champions. And I felt like maybe this is the time to you know put the strap on, give Jungle Boy a title run in particular and, and, and Luchasaurus. So I think that that was the right call. 
Uh, obviously, with Ray Phoenix's injury, just looked brutal when he took that choke slam through through the table. And then they showed it multiple times because they wanted to show the spot. But like every time they showed the spot, you saw his arm bending back and your stomach's like churning watching that. Luckily, you know, he had the MRI. It's 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 not broken. Um, but they're looking for ligament damage, I guess. And Which so I haven't heard anything up. since uh, earlier this afternoon that he did he didn't have a broken arm, but they're looking at a ligament damage. So. Hopefully it's not too bad. One of, I mean, he's one of the top workers in the world. Always love watching Ray Phoenix wrestle. So thoughts are out to him. But what did you think of the main event, Kyle? Um, so I did not buy Jurassic Express winning uh, here, mainly because I want to see Jungle Boy as a single. And I guess I was hoping that they wouldn't put the titles on him as a tag team. Uh, watching it live in real time, I didn't catch the injury. But I had Twitter open, obviously, and it, like everybody else seemed to catch it. And so I yeah. was like, oh my God. And then the finish caught me by surprise because I wasn't really paying. It took me out of the match. I'm like, you know, got my face buried in the phone looking at Twitter. So I was like, well, holy shit, they won. And it was, you know, I saw some people say, oh, maybe the TBS championship should have main evented this show. I, I, I don't think. Mm, no. no. That, like the crowd did not react to that. God bless the girls, but they they, they did the women. They didn't react. The fit, live audience was not reacting to that like a main event. I think it was again going back to my earlier comments on the world title match. It was weird that a show, a that was a rematch of what was maybe the best match of last year and was a match of the year candidate. The the first one for twenty twenty two was kind of brushed aside, and this TBS debut ends with all the tag teams surrounding the ring saluting Jurassic Express. So I thought that that was kind of odd. It was weird how they kept zooming in on people like sitting in the crowd. There were AEW wrestlers like sitting out amongst the crowd, and then they, they had the guys on the ramp. It kind of like went on a little long, and then like the people in the crowd, the rest like Jericho in the crowd stuff, they were surprised when the camera would go on them, and it was just like, what's... What's the point? I'd rather see crowd shots of the legitimate crowd than that, honestly. And that's, I, that was a little bizarre. I assumed there was going to be a debut because the yeah, light flickered and stuff uh, uh, multiple times in the show, and that didn't happen. So, yeah, it was just a very odd way to end the show in terms of the hierarchy that this very major thing happened in the show, you know, with Hangman and Danielson, and, and you ended with the, you know, the tag teams all saluting new champions. <laughs> Like, How about Jim Ross, by the way, calling out that he hates when the lights go out? <laughs> Commentary. He's like, that's, we said something along the lines of like, that's one too many times or something like that. <laughs> so, okay, let's go back to this. We go back and forth on this all the time. People, Jim Ross gets reactions, man, when they announce them, like JR's returning. It's my, I mean, he got a, the big reaction when he did return from the live crowd. I was hoping last night that with Hangman, and Danielson being his style of match that he'd love to call, that we'd get good JR on commentary. It just seemed from the rip like he was annoyed or didn't have a lot of energy. I, I didn't yeah. think it was one of his better, but people love JR, so you know I should probably shut my mouth. Yeah, I think it's always worth having him on there, especially when you're trying to get new viewers. I mean, he's but just such do. a classic voice. And Again, yeah, he he caught a buddy of mine's attention. Wait, like you know, over the summer, I told the story about when I put AEW on TV when we had a, a barbecue going. And my one buddy was like, wait, who's that on commentary? I was like, it's Jim Ross. And he's like, wow. 
Like he was like yeah. stunned that Jim Ross would be a part of AEW. So there, it, there is a value having Jim Ross there, even if he is cranky and, you know, shitting on the idea of a <laughs> six man tag being called a trio smash <laughs> and shitting on the lights flickering. Couple of things that went through my mind while you were talking. Um, Number one, like I didn't have a huge problem with the way that they structured the show. I think it was right to put that ma- the world title match first because it's the first TBS show. Uh, they were, you know, thinking maybe, as you mentioned, Big Bang Theory, maybe some people would tune in that have never tuned in before. So you put a big name out there like Brian, who people are familiar with, versus that tag title match probably wouldn't do much for casuals. If they stayed tuned in, it might have because they would have done a lot of cool moves. Uh, but I think the way that they did it, consciously putting the world title match first, then CM Punk, I think that was the right way to go. Um, but it, it was a little odd when you watch the world title match and then they're like promoting later in the show, our main event is the tag team title match. <laughs> you know, like if you're a traditional yeah, wrestler like, fan, it's like, a little odd. So listening to you say that back, I was thinking to myself, maybe it's outdated the idea that the main event has to go on last in these shows. If you just want to hook people right away, put your top match, you know, on first. Saturday night's main event was an example. Yeah. You know, Hogan would go on first or second more often than not. But yeah, it sounds odd when it's like our main event. Like, don't yeah. refer to like it. It, sh- it should just be the last match or still just coming later don't, in the show. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't refer just because a match is last doesn't mean it has to be referred to the main event. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too old school in my assessments here. Um, uh, the the other thing was Jungle Boy. So because we've talked about this on the show, like is he ready for a singles run? And at one point we debated if he should be going after the TNT title. And I think what we said at the time, or I know I know I said this at one point, was that like I felt like Jurassic Express has a run in him still, and it's like you could you could kind of have him wrestle single here and there, but I, I didn't think it was quite time yet to split up Jurassic Express and have them go full-on single because it just felt like there was juice left in the tag team. They get a great response. A lot of that's Jungle Boy. But, uh, I mean, give him this run and then I think transition him out of that. This this kid has a huge future, though. I mean, I was really, really glad to see him get a title belt. His family was there, too, so that mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah. And, so. and a key is if you're not going to do something like put the TNT title on him, Maybe this is the best option because you don't yeah. want to like put him in big matches and have him losing as a single. I mean, he's lost to a lot of the top guys so far. And if you know, you're not going to put him at a certain level as a single, then yeah, I guess do this. I, I'm just thinking Lucha Bros, their tag title one. I agree with you. It just never seemed to get out of first gear. I didn't particularly care for that feud they had with FTR. I thought it was again two teams each trying to work their own match and just sort of doing a compromise. Um, I would have loved to see Lucha Bros work against Dante Martin and Leo Rush in a match. I would have loved to see them work Santana and Ortiz. But um, you know, best wishes to Ray Phoenix. Obviously, I yeah, I know some people you know who don't like Luchasaurus or like going to blame him and whatnot. I'd have to watch it back. I, I don't. I think it was just a case of did you need to do a table spot? I don't think it was a particularly reckless table spot. I think it was a freak accident with the table spot. Yeah, I agree. And and he, by the way, Ray Phoenix not the only person hurt last night in a in the ranks of AEW. Yeah, Jake Atlas, Jake Atlas, Jake Atlas yeah. got hurt. We have not had a chance to see that. He wrestled Adam Cole. Um, man, that's a bummer. You know, His just knee. getting signed. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, have you heard anything further on him? I have not. I have not. It, okay. Supposedly, it happens in the Cole match for Rampage. He does a springboard into the ring, and just his his knee like buckles underneath him. He tries to 
get up for the Panama sunrise, can't do it. And then Cole put him in like a knee bar submission to finish it out. And then they helped him to the back. So yeah, another injury. We are going to transition to WWE here in just a second. Um, but before we do, couple of plugs. If you're on the YouTube page right now, please hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, like the video, give it a thumbs up. Um, we are also streaming in our Facebook group and on the Facebook page. So join the Facebook group. The link is here in the description of the podcast. And if you're on any of the podcasting platforms, Apple or Spotify in particular, subscribe, follow, hit the five-star rating. Spotify just started a rating system so we're trying to get out in front of the ratings uh, algorithm and get as many five-star ratings on spotify as possible so if you listen on spotify or even if you don't open the pod and spotify leave us a five-star rating that would be awesome and then of course the best way to support top rope nation is by becoming a patron of the show bonus content dropping there every single week yesterday kyle released a solo edition of top rope nation extra that's our weekly bonus show we also have our monthly bonus show, Top Rope Nation Classics, and we're doing two of those in January. So we recorded earlier this week one on the first ever WWF Shotgun Saturday Night. It was a hilarious show. Uh, the video of that is available to watch right now exclusively for patrons. The podcast will be dropping for patrons probably tomorrow. So look for that. The only way to hear those shows is on patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. So thank you so much to all of you that are already supporting us on Patreon. You see the name scrolling across the bottom of the screen right now in the video feed. And if you're not already a patron, but you've been thinking about doing it, it's early in the month. Join up right now. Try for five bucks. If you don't like it, cancel by the end of the month. You know, it won't hurt our feelings, but give it a try. No. We think you'll like what we're doing over there. Tons of awesome content dropping. The link is here in the podcast description. So Kyle... Should we transition to WWE? Well, there's never a good transition to WWE. Let's just do it. <laughs> if we must. Yes. Uh, start out with a couple of just brief news items. Of course, Roman Reigns missed the day one pay-per-view with the positive COVID test. They announced this afternoon that Roman has cleared COVID protocol. He will be on SmackDown tomorrow night. Good to hear that Roman's doing all right. And according to Meltzer, that show is selling well based off the Lesnar-Reigns issue. Yeah. So that's good. Positive for what WWE is doing right now and promoting as reportedly still the plan for WrestleMania. That's what Kyle's Top Rope Nation Extra Pod yesterday was on is his predictions for WrestleMania season and also an exclusive news item that has not been reported anywhere that Kyle, you broke during that show. So if people want to hear that, they got to listen to the Extra Pod from yesterday. Mm -hmm. Two trajectories to get there, folks. We went through both of them. Yep. And then uh, the other news item, and this was broke today by our friend Andrew Zarian from the Matt Men podcast, multiple time Top Rope Nation extra, uh, Top Rope Nation guest, confirmed by Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. The next WWE Saudi Arabia show will be on a Saturday, February 19th. That's good news for us in North America because more people will be able to watch it live. They've been doing them like during the middle of the week when most people are at work with the time differential and it's hard to watch. Uh, but Saturday, February 19th, and reportedly that has been penciled in on the internal calendars. That's what the performers have been told. And they're planning moving forward to always have the shows in Saudi Arabia late fall and in February. That is the working plan. Wonder what so, kind of gimmick they're going to work there. I don't know. No Wonder what idea. the big match is going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so a couple other things. So <laughs> you, know who, we, you know who's probably not going to work that show? Uh, Sami Zayn. Yes, that's very true. I was going <laughs> to say Hunter. I was going to say Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh yeah, because Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he is uh, poor Hunter man, not doing so well late. All his buddies are getting released. We had these yeah, WWE cuts. Did, did you have something else to go to? I, I was. I no, was no, no. We can go right to this. We can go okay. right to this. So. The big item, you know, William Regal, Stephen Regal, has been released, and he was down at NXT. You saw after he was released, lots of names going on Twitter and talking about how helpful he was to people's careers. And the, the big question going around was, how do you release a William Regal, Kyle? How do you release a William Regal? Well, I'm sure WWE has a protocol how they do it, but um, unfortunately, what people need to understand here, and this doesn't go just for Regal, but it goes for the vast majority of the releases we've seen over the last year, it's less about what these folks have to offer, right? Like the, um, William Regal being let go was not necessarily a repudiation of his wrestling acumen. What it was and what the vast majority of yesterday's cuts were and a lot of these we've seen, it's about perceived disloyalty to Vince or people Vince doesn't like. I'm not saying Vince didn't like Regal, but, you know, we have witnessed basically a purge of the army that Paul Levesque built up over the past six to seven years down there uh, the message that's being sent with these cuts it's a clear repudiation of how hunter ran nxt and talent relations this timeline goes back to 2015 2016 we've said this on this show before the brand split when it was reinstituted in 2016 that idea was first broached by triple h and his idea was, you know, he's feeling his oats. Remember, NXT was really starting to gain momentum at that time with the takeovers. His idea was he would be in charge of SmackDown. Vince would be in charge of Raw. And you'd have these competing visions on main roster WWE television. Well, as we've previously talked about in the show, Vince liked the idea of bringing back the brand split, but he didn't really like the idea uh, of giving Hunter one of the shows. So he said, all right, we'll bring the brand split, but no, you don't get SmackDown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Hunter, that was kind of the first sort of slap in the face is probably how he took it. And so what did he do? Kind of under Vince's nose, with Vince not paying attention to NXT, he built up a brand, a large brand uh, with a sizable roster, in-ring people, sizable personnel working guys that were loyal to him. More loyal to him than they were to Vince McMahon. And what we've now seen is the combination of Nick Khan, John Laurinaitis, and Bruce Pritchard outmaneuvering Hunter. This is a political game, Ryan. It is an absolute political game. And what has gotten Vince to move in this direction, I'd say, is Nick, Johnny, and Bruce being in Vince's ear. They all have their individual motives, obviously. You know, Vince <clears throat> took a look at NXT after paying little to no attention to it for years. People need to understand that. Vince McMahon, during the bulk of the 
takeover NXT 1.0 was not paying attention at all. He was starting up the XFL. Okay, when Vince tweeted, oh, of course I'm watching it at the first NXT UK takeover, probably was lying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, when he, of, he's like, of course I'm watching. They do such a great, <laughs> no, be. you weren't. No, you, you tweeted and then you turned it off. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then you, and then he does, he didn't like what he saw going on out there. He's like, oh my God, I don't, and we can get into that a little bit more, but he was like, I don't want any of these people. I don't like the way they're doing this. And then, you know, you had the Mark Carano situation, which blew up in their face uh, with Mickey James. Yep. And, and, you know, I, at that point, John Laurinaitis was brought back. And Ryan, if you remember, who succeeded John Laurinaitis in charge of talent relations 10 years ago. Who? Paul? Pushed, yeah. 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 It, was, it was Paul. And yeah. I mean, if I was a devious person, <laughs> I would probably think that John Laurinaitis is taking a certain degree of pleasure in doing this. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> unless if Hunter and Stephanie, and I don't know if Stephanie would be interested in doing it. I don't know if Hunter would be doing I mean, Hunter's had his health issues. Yeah. Unless if they have some sort of power play they're planning on. I don't know, man. I think Hunter is going to be working on a farm in ne- next year. <laughs> I mean, he, he he has no power. All of his people are gone. And you want to talk about this effect moving forward. If you're Johnny Gargano, why in heaven's name are you going to re-sign with WWE now? I mean, I think he's already made up his mind, quite frankly. I think I'm going to see his debut at Beach Break, which will be a very warm and lovely day here in Cleveland. I could be wrong. <laughs> Great but, place to um, debut him, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, you know, maybe we get Wardlow's baby face turn, another Cleveland guy. But, you know, I, I, I that's what this is. We have seen NXT TakeOver era and just basically Hunter's entire performance is, is being in charge of talent relations just be stamped out and erased from memory. People talk about Vince and the eraser. I saw Meltzer had his column up at uh, SI.com. That's what this is. He erased it. It's done. It's like it never happened. There you yep. go. Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to talk about the names who were released, it was William Regal, as I mentioned, uh, Road Dog, of course, who Kyle was very sad about that one. Um, he won't be missed. <laughs> Sorry. Ace Steel. Ace Steel. Uh, writers Ryan Katz and George Carroll. Uh, we had Dave Kapoor. Who's Scott a cool Arms. guy, by the way. Dave Kapoor. I've, I've actually met Dave Kapoor. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Scott Armstrong and uh, Kathy Carino, better known maybe as Allison Danger, which, by the way, if you haven't seen that thread on her and her move from Vegas down to Orlando and then just a few months later getting fired, taking her kid out of school, changing schools, man, it does not give you a positive impression of this company whatsoever. It's brutal. So, I absolutely mean, brutal. Well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, that's what this, you know, what do I went over there? That's what it, that's, it's not necessarily Vince. I mean, some people he doesn't like, I mean, it's just crazy that, you know, I don't know what Hunter was thinking would happen, but if you kind of go back and look at the timeline with NXT, I mean, was he just assuming Vince would get old and give up and like he would get, because y- you go back and wa- like <clears throat> the signs were on the, the writing was on the wall. Yeah. As soon as none of these NXT champions, I shouldn't say none, but we hit a point pretty early where Vince wasn't using them all, like the Bobby Roods 
or the mm-hmm. Andrade's. They were just like mid. It's like, oh my god! Like, and I know for a fact that there wasn't a big rush to bring these guys up because the writers knew Vince wouldn't like them. That's the thing, and we've talked about it. Is just it didn't serve the purpose it was supposed to serve. It was awesome to watch for several years. But like we even said it on the pod at these time at the time, like these guys are not going to be stars in the main roster, and they weren't because no. they didn't serve the WWE model. So, you know, it sucks for fans because we got used to those really good takeovers for a while. But the product had been suffering for the last couple of years creatively, uh, pretty much in line with when they moved to USA Network. Uh, but you know what they have switched NXT to now at 2.0 is more in line with what matches up with the WWE philosophy and what NXT probably should have been the whole time, you know, true developmental, not a super indie promotion, which is kind of what it was. Yeah. I mean, several, several things went wrong for Hunter. I already went over one of them. Once it was clear that the people he was pushing in NXT weren't going to become big stars in the main roster that reflects poorly on NXT. And then booking you know, became harder because you're not having everyone just move. The pipeline's not just moving nice and easy. And you're stuck. Like all these guys were going to the witness protection program from Vince. They wanted to stay in NXT. So you've got to like keep them there. And it's not just that nice. It's like, okay, remember when takeover was at its real high point. I thought guys would work like one or two takeovers and move up to the main roster. And that was it. But you kept replenishing it with a fresh new group. Um, so that hurt once, you know, these guys weren't becoming big deals on the main roster. Um, it led to the booking issues. And then, of course, AEW. Vince or Hunter was no longer the cool alternative to main roster WWE. There was a legitimate alternative to all of WWE. And, and it came at a time when Hunter needed his people, to, you know, needed um, those anti-main roster folks the most. And he lost them to AEW. So it was kind of like, one strike, two strikes, three, you're out. And now he's, you know, you see where he is. I, it's shame on Hunter for not thinking this would backfire on him. Also shame on Vince McMahon. I've said this before, and I know you've reiterated it too, Ryan. There are no winners in this situation. I mean, I guess, you know, Vince is always on top, and right now Bruce, Johnny, and Nick Connor are winning. But in terms of people to root for, there's really no one to root for because shame on Vince too because Hunter did, you know, kind of read the room like what mo- a modern fan wants and bring these people in and try to at least mold them to work a, d- a WWE way. And Vince is like, just like, no, he was just still closed minded. He's like, I don't want any of these people. I mean, it's not like the people weren't talented. So shame yeah. on the both of them. Yeah. No synergy there, Kyle. No, a WWE <laughs> had, had an identity crisis. For about a decade. And I think people should go back and listen to the show where we reviewed Bruce Pritchard being rehired. I thought of this today. Mm, yeah. What did we say the only positive of bringing Bruce back was? That there would be a sense of synergy that Bruce understands what Vince wants, or at least, you know, we'll just give Vince what he thinks he wants. I, I'm not saying it's a good thing, you know, for us fans, but. You know, that that kind of started what we're seeing. Bruce probably clued him in or Johnny Ace clued him in or Nick Khan was like, why are we spending all this money on this thing that stinks (laughs) but um, or makes no money? So, yeah, and there you have it. 
Well, NXT 2.0's new era officially arrived this week because we did have Braun Breaker win the title from Ciampa. I did not see the match yet. Uh, it is on my list to watch. Uh, but there was symbolism there. You know, you think about the th- the throne breaker thing that Cody Rhodes did and Braun Breaker comes out and they've got that golden X and he kicked through it. I mean, that was very purposeful. So I, well, I liked how Braun Breaker then like, I don't know who he made this comment to, but it was I saw it on Twitter. He's like, oh, that didn't really mean anything. Come on. <laughs> Come on, dude. He's just kicking X's. Yeah, just, just for the hell of it. Guys, thank you for joining us here on Thursday afternoon. It's going to hit the pod fa- podcast feeds very, very soon. Uh, and, and as I said, all the ways to support Top Rope Nation, whether you're a patron or whether you're just helping us out for free by subscribing and reviewing, we appreciate it so much. Thanks to all of you who joined us live today for the flagship pod. We'll be back with you next week for episode 236 of Top Rope Nation. Kyle. Thanks for jumping on with me, my friend. Beautiful. Put that hood on. Put that hood back on. Enjoy the great outdoors. We'll be catching everyone again real soon. Take care.